Today's episode is a little bit different than what we typically do on this podcast. Uh, my guest is Michael Mesmer. He's a hypnotherapist, and we spent the majority of the conversation actually talking about hypnotism in general and the ways that it's used to help people uh, or hurt them, depending on the circumstance. And I thought I would take the opportunity to do something different because this guest is, you know, I've never had a chance to speak to a legitimate hypnotherapist. Um, I've met some not so legitimate ones in the past, and uh, maybe that's a story for another day, but he is. Uh, th- this guy, I can tell he's a good guy. He, at least my impression of him was he's legitimate. Uh, he knows what he's doing and it seems like he's got a, a great track record as well. So here are his credentials. He is, uh, certified as a clinical hypnotherapist by the American council of hypnotist examiners. Um, he actually eventually became the president of that organization as well. He's the immediate past president. He is a certified stress management consultant, uh, holds a degree in psychology from California Coast University. And for the past eight years, he's been a hypnotherapist consultant to the Unger Concierge Medical Center in Rancho Cucamonga, California. I can't stress it enough how fascinating this conversation was to me. Um, I totally nerd out for stuff like this. And uh, he was a great guest. I really, really enjoyed chatting with him. I hope we get to do it again. Um, So thank you to Michael for being on the show and thank you to all you for listening. Hope you enjoy. Michael, I am so excited to be speaking with you here today. Uh, Thank you so much for making time for me. I, uh, there are so many questions that I have for you, but I feel like a good, a good place to start is with just hypnosis in general, kind of more broadly speaking. So before we dive too far into it, can you break down what's the reality of hypnosis versus the fiction and the ideas and misconceptions that some people may have in their head. I'm really glad you, you asked that question, Max, because so many people have really strange ideas of hypnosis, and most of that is based on media, fictional books, uh, film, cartoons, comic books, uh, and it's really deeply seated in people's minds and their subconscious what their concept of hypnosis is based on those things. Uh, it actually started way back. Uh, you can go back to 1819 in German Expressionist era between World War I and II in Germany with the first film that featured a hypnotist, Dr. Caligari. It was called The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And in that film, he kept a guy hypnotized 27, uh, you know, uh, the whole week, all the time, 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and so this guy was named Caligari, and his part, his, he had this guy named Cesare that he hypnotized. And he would keep him in this coffin and he'd bring him out to predict people's deaths at the carnival. And then that night, that guy would go out and kill people under hypnosis. So that was the start of this whole thing. And then a couple of years back, there was the movie Get Out. You may recall that one. Sure. And again, even up to this day, depicting hypnosis as a negative, as something where you lose control of your mind, you're caused to do something you don't want to do, and it's evil. So it's, it's really deeply seated in people's minds, their concept of the negativity of hypnosis which is totally different than the reality of hypnosis. So, so what is it in reality? If it's, if it's not this kind of you lose control of your mind as a subject, what is hypnosis? Hypnosis is, at the very basic part of it, it's opening the imagination to accept uncritically an idea. So it's essentially hypnosis is not sleep. It's not being out of it. It's being into it. And it's a natural ability that we all have within us. We're born with this thing. Um, I'll give you an example. You probably have driven down the highway. I know I have many times. And you're driving somewhere, maybe a long distance. And all of a sudden, you get somewhere. And you say, how did I get there so quickly? Well, that's because it's natural hypnosis that you do uh, just in a natural way. 
Um, so when you're driving down the highway, you drop into that highway hypnosis. Matter of fact, if you look in the warning book of most vehicles, there's a whole page explaining highway hypnosis. So that's how common that form of hypnosis is. So it's a natural state of relaxation. It's a, a ability we all have. It's just we don't know how to tap into it uh, on demand. We can do it just naturally. Like also, if you're watching TV, someone comes up to you and they say, say something to you when you're watching a show that you're really into. Uh, and you don't remember what they said to you. It's because the TV opens your imagination, you uncritically are accepting that information, and you drop into that relaxed hypnotic state. Now that's not to say that you're asleep. You're never asleep, you're fully aware because you know what's going on around you, but you're simply choosing to focus on that particular thing at that particular time. So that's how hypnosis works, and it works directly with the subconscious mind, not the conscious mind. So just to take it back to that original example that you mentioned where you know the antagonist had a uh, someone who was under their control for for a long period of time there is no legitimate you know control over another person through hypnosis then it's really just like you're kind of just like spaced out and kind of suggestible am i understanding that correctly um actually uh there's one um there's one way that that can be possible uh i will tell you that if you use hypnotic drugs like they do in china and in uh, russia and create like assassins that are moles, they will make them believe using drugs, hypnotic drugs and hypnosis, combining those two things, they can make you believe anything. But again, natural hypnosis, like we're talking about for hypnotherapy or what we were just using as examples, no, you're fully aware, you know what's going on around you, you're just into that moment and into that thought deeply. So yeah, I mean, um, you'll never do anything you don't want to do while hypnotized in a natural hypnosis state. But again, you may remember the movie Manchurian Candidate, the original one I'm talking about with Frank Sinatra, not the Denzel Washington one. But the original film, they actually took someone, they used hypnotic drugs and hypnosis, and they sent them to assassinate a person, a political figure in America. And they had no idea that they were going to assassinate the person. They had no idea what they were doing because they conditioned them with hypnotic drugs and hypnosis. But if it's just natural hypnotherapy or hypnosis, yeah, you're fully aware. You're just in that moment. You're focused on it one particular thought that your mind has its imagination open to and then in doing so it accesses your subconscious and boom there you go so this is too interesting of a subject to leave so the these like kind of sleeper assassins that you were talking about my understanding of the way that that works is they're kind of like latent and unactivated so to speak and this this is a historical thing this this my first question yeah. is did this for sure happen and then oh, be yeah. Are they like triggered by like a specific trigger word or, or how does that work? Yeah, it could be a word. It could be an image. Um, it could be something nowadays, I would assume. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about modern times. Uh, you could have a text come up on the phone and just the wording on it or just a photo on that text could then activate that that suggestion or that uh, you know activity. So, yes, uh, and it has been done. And, it, you know, I'm I'm. I would assume our country may do the same when they send agents over to work in foreign countries, uh, because then if you're interrogated or anything, you actually can be absolutely true. There's no way you would ever say, you know, you never reveal what you were. So um, to protect the agents, I would think that they would do that on some occasions if they're going deep, deep into a situation. Wow. Um, that's, that's fascinating to me. So a little bit more about, about you. So, what was your first exposure to hypnosis? How did this become what it is for you? Well, 
it starts way, way back in the 70s. Uh, and I know <laughs> I've been around a while. Um, and so uh, the first exposure I had to hypnosis was a stage hypnosis show. But I want to get into more interesting things after this, but I wanted to mention this. Uh, I was performing because I'm also an escape artist and magician. So I was performing in Venezuela uh, and we were doing a uh, performance for the president of Venezuela. Uh, and I was doing straight jackets and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, on the show was a guy by the name of Ima Buma. He was a hypnotist from Colombia. And down there, they believe there's a spiritual component or a supernatural component to hypnosis, which uh, you can, of course, attach it to that, but it's really not in, in its basis and the way I use it. But in any case, uh, he was doing a stage hypnosis show, but it was like a scene out of, oh, like Night of the Living Dead or something. He would hypnotize these people. And some of them, it was like on a 15, 20 foot high stage. People were falling off the stage, cracking their arms and breaking their arms. And people were not startled by it at all. It was just like a bizarre demonstration. And so I saw this and it really, I would say, freaked me out. It would be the term. It blew my mind. Uh, and that was my first experience with hypnosis. He also hypnotized chickens too, which was kind of bizarre and funny. At the same yeah. But then years later, I was touring with my magic in Asia and Malaysia and Indonesia. And um, the very impactful thing that happened to me was I saw the Kin J in Thailand. And in Thailand, they do combine it with their religion. They have a, a ceremony called the Kin J. Uh, it's a vegetarian uh, cer ceremony. And what they do is they go into their temple, they get placed in a trance. Now, the way they do this, they put themselves in a trance by jerking themselves around really insanely. They open their mind to letting their God, as they see it, enter themselves. And then they proceed to put one and a half, two inch spikes from one cheek through their mouth and throughout the other cheek, hang weights from those spikes, then put skewers through their tongue so it's stuck out. Then they walk through the streets in a parade for hours on end. Then at the end of that parade, which is 12, 24 hours, they go back to the temple, they pull out the skewers, they pull out the giant spikes. Some people even put tree branches through their cheeks. Um, and when they pull all that out, there's no damage, no blood, nothing. And they have no memory of what they did. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and being that I was a magician and I was touring Asia, I knew it wasn't magic. I, I absolutely knew that. So it really enticed me into wanting to learn about hypnosis. Now, I also saw the horse dances down in Indonesia. And on that ceremony, they actually have gods that are horses and, or, you know, animals. So they open themselves up. The, the horse comes within them. They start acting like a horse. They eat grass off the ground with their teeth. And then they get whipped with a leather whip. Welts come up on their back. And then the finale of that ceremony is they eat light bulbs, chew up the glass and swallow it. Now, when they bring them out of trance, there's no blood. There's the welts quickly dissipate and disappear off the back. Uh, it was startling. And so, again, uh, I was totally enthralled by it. So when I came back to the States, I decided to study hypnosis. And I went to the Hypnotism Training Institute in Glendale, California, and studied under Gil Boyne, who's legendary in the hypnosis world. He's passed away since. But he's one of the great leaders of hypnosis of all time. I was fortunate enough that he took me in, and I studied with him for 500 hours. Then I took an internship, and eventually I went back to college and got my degree in psychology. Too, but those were the things that sort of led me 
up to the pathway of wanting to learn about hypnosis. And since then, I've added it both to my performance because I do stage hypnosis as well as hypnotherapy. So that's that's kind of the answer to your question in a nutshell. I want to ask you some questions about some of those um, incredible things you saw. So um, it seems that there's something more than like interacting with someone's subconscious going on there. There's something physiological if their body is able to heal from those kinds of wounds. Do we have any understanding of how that works? Um, we do not understand how hypnosis works. We simply know how to make it work. It's a phenomena. It's not a science. And so we do understand how to make it happen. In fact, it's used constantly for surgeries and painless surgeries here in the United States, really a lot for dentistry and you know doing root canals and all of that. So the same principles are applied by the medical world. In fact, I work at the Younger Medical Group as a consultant for hypnotherapy here in Rancho Cucamonga, California. And so uh, I work with a doctor in concert with a doctor all the time with pain issues and other things like that. But it's a... Uh, it's accepted by the med by most med medical experts, and uh, they do use it for surgeries. I've even seen on video an open heart surgery with nothing but hypnosis for pain control and blood control. Wow, what level of of? I mean, how do you? I'm trying to imagine myself as a surgeon advising a client not to go under for open heart surgery and to use hypnosis instead. How does one arrive at that conclusion? Is that something you have done before? Or I guess you said you've seen it, so probably not. But is that something no. you would ever say is a good idea? <laughs> well, some people cannot take the medications or cannot do the anesthesia. And so they have to find either acupressure, acupuncture, hypnotherapy, or combinations of all of those to be able to have access to a surgery they may need. But you said something interesting in your reply there. You used the term under. And um, I'm glad you did that because, and don't feel bad that you used it when I explain this, because most people believe that because of all the things we discussed before about movies, fictional and all that. When you're hypnotized, you're not under anything. Under is a pejorative. Um, you're not under anybody's control. You're not under anything. You're into the pleasant state of relaxation we call hypnosis because you're doing it. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I help the people to learn how to do it. I guide them when they're doing it to strengthen their abilities, but ultimately the person does it. So you're never under anything except under the control of your own mind. Uh, so you're not under hypnosis, just, just to give you a, a definition of that. Fair enough. Thank you. One, one other thing I've heard, and I, maybe you could tell me if this is fact or fiction. I've heard that some people are more hypnotizable than others based on their personality traits. I guess, how true is that? And what are those personality traits? Well, um, not everybody's a natural somnambulist like Cicera and Caligari going out and killing people. <laughs> but but uh, no, but truly not everyone's a natural somnambulist. There are people that are natural somnambulists. That would, can you, would you define that term for me? I've never heard it before. It's someone who can instantly go into hypnosis. Uh, they have that internal ability to do it very easily, very quickly, very smoothly with very little assistance. Um, and that they can go deeply, much deeper than most people can with the trance state. Um, and uh, there's about, you know, if you look at the percentages, probably about 10% of the population have that ability. But everyone can achieve a level of hypnosis and can get benefit from hypnosis because, as I say, we all do it. It's just, but as you said, some people uh, have control issues and they have to understand hypnosis 
before they can accept the, the process and be willing to do it. Also, different cultures, to be frank, um, they have, different cultures have different men, mental processes. And so, for instance, for Asian culture, they think a lot in numbers and rather than uh, words and thoughts, they think in numbers and, and that type of thinking. So when I do hypnosis for Asians, um, I, I have to use a different process. Uh, I do what's called rapid or instantaneous induction. Normally when I'm doing hypnosis with the general populace, I'll do what we call fractional relaxation. That's where you just slowly ease people with lullaby phrasing into the hypnotic state. But with Asians, it's more effective. Uh, and as you, I mentioned, I worked in Asia quite a bit. So it's more effective to use what we call rapid or instantaneous induction, where I quickly put them in hypnosis in under about 30 seconds. Wow. And how long does it take for a, a different kind of client like myself, for example? Well, normally I like to do this, the more uh, fractional relaxation. I'll tell you why. Because it tends to give you a deeper state of relaxation. So I like to do that more standard method uh, when possible because it's more beneficial to the client. And when we do the fractional, it takes about mm, six or seven minutes. So we're kind of getting now into your clinical side. And I want to talk about the business of this as well. But first, I'd like to discuss kind of what are the applications of hypnosis? Like what, what kinds of problems would someone go to a hypnotherapist to solve? Well, you know, a lot of hypnotherapists, and I do want to say something, so many hypnotists out there are ill-trained, just like there's bad, tra badly trained doctors or anything else. And so you have to be very careful and check the credentials and the background of anyone you go to. And I also want to clear something up that's very important before we go to that too. And that is that um, hypnotherapists are not doctors. As I mentioned, I work with a doctor, but I'm a lay practitioner. So I'm not a... I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. They are awesome at what they do, and I don't compete with them at all. Um, but in answer a little more towards your question, what hypnosis and hypnotherapy, the benefit of it over those other modalities of psychiatry and psychology is that we work very rapidly. If we can't help you in about three sessions, then you need to move on to someone else uh, because we can take something very serious and we can work it out in about three three-hour, two-hour sessions. Uh, whereas a psychologist or psychiatrist, you might be going for you know years to work out the same issue. Now, not to say we can always solve your issue, but I always recommend try a hypnotherapist first because it may be beneficial to you rather than spending years trying to work out your situation and hundreds of thousands of dollars with one of those other uh, practitioners. But again, they are awesome. They, they're great at what they do. And so are we at what we do if you get a good hypnotherapist. But in answer to how what we can deal with. There are many, you could have a laundry list of things we could work with, but all of those things are topical issues, okay? So what we have to do when we're in a therapy session, hypnotherapy session, is we have to get down to what the core cause of that, situ of that issue is. Smoking, weight control, competence, uh, sleep issues, uh, nail biting, all those things relate back to something that happened when you were young. When we're young, from age one to seven, approximately, sometimes one to 11, we have uncritical acceptance of ideas in our subconscious mind. There's no, there's no filter, there's no wall blocking off negative thinking. So what happens is, let's say you're driving in a car and you're in the back seat, you're in your child seat, you're a little guy, and in your case, and um, 
your mom or dad says, can you cut out, you're singing to the radio. You're enjoying singing, you're singing to the radio. Your mom and dad say, can you cut that noise out? We're trying to drive. Well, you may feel for the rest, of, that goes in there, it becomes a broken record. And for the rest of your life, you may feel, I can't go out in public, I can't express myself. I'm not good in crowds. I can't, or even directly, I can't sin. Whatever those, that you think it became traumatic, it's a broken record. Now, after eight, age eight or nine, that critical factor of the mind comes in place. You then decide what you want to accept. But until that time, everything goes in there. It stays in there. And so what the job of the hypnotherapist is, is to find what that issue is. Because that issue is what informs or influences your behavior as an adult, your issues as an adult. So if you have smoking issues, if you have, you know, most times it will go back to those core issues. And those core issues are ultimately are fears. There are really five fears that dictate our lives. And those fears are created when someone doesn't protect us as a child with those gifts that we're born with. So the fears are criticism is one, then sickness and aging, then poverty, death is the next one, and finally, feeling unloved or unlovable or rejected. So if you get to those, whatever that core issue of those five fears are, then you can reframe your life. You can now see it as an adult. You won't get rid of it. We don't make you forget it. We want you to remember it so that you now can deal with it, understand it, and as an adult say, that doesn't have any power over me anymore. And in doing so, that will clear up most of those topical issues that most people go to a hypnotherapist for. So what does that look like? I'm, I'm imagining a scene that I've seen in like TV shows and movies where like someone is, you know, they've, you've inducted the hypnotic state from, with them. Sorry if that language is completely wrong, but if they're in that scenario and then you, you're kind of like, okay, so what do you see? And then they're kind of like reciting a memory. Is that, is, that, is that an accurate depiction of what it looks like? No, it is in a way, but you, it, it takes a little more work than that. That's a very highly simplified explanation. But, but um, generally speaking, in a session with someone, I will, I will have them feel that feeling and I'll have them experience the feeling, whatever the situation is, anxieties, whatever they're feeling. Then I'll say, let's go back to a time when you're feeling that same feeling. And it may take multiple times. I'll have them shrink their body in their mind's eye, go back to a younger age, and then experience that feeling at that point in their life. Then we may go back many times till we get to the very first time that happened to them, the very first time they felt that feeling. And then if it's something to do with an individual, like say their mom or dad, which a lot of issues have to do with feeling unloved by your mom or dad. So if we go back to that time, I'll have them in hypnosis, actually talk to their mom, if it's their mom, then I'll have them become the mom, talk to them, and they'll have a conversation in their subconscious. And ultimately, they'll be able to let go of that situation and understand that perhaps their mom just didn't understand their behavior and that they did love them. And we'll work through all of that. Then I'll bring them up to modern times and I'll have them see themselves now at this age and looking back at their mom. And it's a long process, as you can see. But ultimately, yeah. The goal is whatever the cause of that core issue was, we want to go back to that. And if it's people involved in that, have them face those people, work it through it. And this is the only way you can do this with hypnosis because hypnosis is the only way to access that subconscious mind. You can do meditation, you can do all sorts of psychology and psychiatry, but until you get to that subconscious, break through the, you know, the barrier back to that subconscious, you can't really access the genuine thought and then reframe it. 
Another context, and it sounds related, another context that I see in TV shows and movies that uh, hypnotherapy is used is in memory recall. Is that a legitimate usage? Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, you do, and that's the thing about hypnosis, too. A lot of people come to me. They say, can you help me forget something? Forget, you know, this or that. Memory re repression is never good. You want people to recall things. Now, many police departments, although some now, you know, it's always an up and down legally. Some, you know, some can use it in court. Some can't. Um, some can't use it to lead to evidence. But for many, many years, uh, LAPD, for instance, used hypnosis to help people recall things that happen at the scene of a crime, license plate numbers. I, re I remember one in particular, I remember that a lady had been uh, taken by someone and there was a sticky note on the uh, dashboard of the car and there was phone numbers on it and information. And she, could re she actually recalled that through hypnosis. And the reason that happens is it's a traumatic situation, right? So when you have trauma happen, you tend to want to shove that memory away quickly uh, you know, because you were raped or whatever. So you want to shove that away. You don't want to face it, right? You remember it, but you really don't want to remember the details of the whole situation. So your mind as a safety factor closes down on those, on those memories. So with hypnosis and relaxation, again, you can help people face that and deal with it in a better way, but also discover information that can lead to an arrest or finding uh, the perpetrator. Wow. That is fascinating. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what the career of, of being a hypnotist looks like. So yeah. when you're, when you're first starting out, how do you establish yourself as a, as a professional? Because I imagine there are so many stigmas you have to break through both around you as an, as an individual who's practicing this and then also around the industry as a whole. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that's a very good question. Um, and yes, the industry has a bad reputation because of the fictional stories, but also because hmm, there's a lot of bad trainings out there. Uh, there's only a few really good schools in the United States that have valid training. Um, and Chris, I belong, I immediate past president of the American Council of Hypnotist Examiners. We are an organization that is created, was created by Gil Boyne, who I, I learned from at the Institute. And it's worldwide we have a very high educational standard. So you cannot do, you cannot be a member of our association unless you have a minimum of like 200 hours of proper training at a certified school. But there are many people out there uh, that do a seminar in an airport Hyatt and they offer a three day weekend seminar and then you're certified as a hypnotherapist. Uh, that's why I always caution people, make sure of who you're gonna be working with. But in addition to that, you, you were saying, how do you start your career? First, get a good education, like with anything, mm -hmm. um, and get it from a valid school that has a great reputation um, and that will give you the education level so that you will have confidence in what you're doing. Um, beyond that, once you get the good education, you've got to get experience. So you know what? You can help people without getting money for it when you start out. Get some, get some, you know, in my case, I was able to do an internship for several hundred hours uh, at the Institute. So that's how I got my, but you know, some places don't offer that. So if they don't, then you know what, go, go down to city of hope and see if you can help anybody go wherever, you know, do whatever you can to get some experience behind your belt. 
don't just go out and be inexperienced and day one, because what happens is you'll get a reputation for not being good at what you do. Now, that doesn't mean that you're bad or you're a bad person. It just means you don't have the skill set developed far enough yet to be effective. So, you know, go out, get some experience wherever you can find it, friends, neighbors, whatever. Um, and then when you feel very confident in your ability, then start the business. And that's a very hard road. It's like with any business. You have, to, I, I think it's very key though these days to be internet savvy um, and be, you know, I, uh, for instance, I really love doing Zoom sessions. That's what I do now. I don't even, except for the, when I go down to the Unger group where I work for the doctor, I love doing Zoom because for hypnotherapy, the great part about Zoom is that people feel secure and safe. So you get away from that part of them worrying, oh, are they going to molest me or do something horrible to me when I'm hypnotized? So by being in your own home, by being sitting in your own comfortable seat or chair or whatever, you know you're totally safe. And I know you're comfortable. So it works. I love doing Zoom. But yeah, as you're going into doing and Skype, whatever, I, I said Zoom, but any of the modal, you know, platforms. So the deal is you need to be a little savvy. You need to know how to use Facebook. You need to use Instagram. Uh, you need to find the same things you would do with any new business trying to launch it. You're going to need to know how to do those skills. And of course, that takes a whole different type of learning. But um, today, it's not just opening a neighborhood store and hanging a shingle like it used to be. You really need that internet uh, support and following to really make it happen. Having said that, um, if you're lucky enough to get a doctor to work with you, then it really buoys your reputation mm -hmm. as well. You know, I've been very fortunate. What happened with me, strangely, uh, is I was doing a uh, fundraiser for a big theater locally here. And Dr. Unger, who I now do work with, his daughter wanted to be in the show. Now, she was too young for my show. I normally don't let anyone in my show that's underage. But she was like 12. But he came up to me and said, I'm Dr. Jeff Unger. I work at the Unger Group. My daughter really wants to experience hypnosis. She'd really like to be in the show. So I said, okay, do I have your permission? Yes, you have my permission. I thought, well, he's a doctor. He's giving me permission. Fine. So I put her in the show. And along next to her, because also many of his medical uh, friends were there, I had a doctor that was a friend of his. So I hit, did my hypnosis show. They got deep in trance, crazy stuff, fun stuff, positive stuff happened. And afterwards, he said, you know, I never believed hypnosis before, but now I know it's real. So because of the show, that's how I got my connection with Dr. Unger. Cause he said, I'm opening my own concierge practice. I want you to be part of it. So that's how it all led to that. So you can actually access your career in very unusual ways. Who would ever think doing my stage hypnosis show, I get a doctor that wanted me to be part of his, you know, medical group. So there's many different roads to Rome and, but, a lot of them take exactly what we're talking about, learning the internet, learning how to use the internet to your advantage, learning all the skill sets of the internet, learn how to do media. Um, I've been spending a lot of time lately since COVID uh, learning about media and how to access media. In fact, I'm doing a show for Reels Channel this week. And um, I, I got that because I took a seminar back in December. I learned about different ways to connect with media. And I learned how to do a pitch. And as such, I was able to access this. And wow, I'm going to be on this incredible show that I've always looked forward to being on, which uh, you may have heard of it. It's Autopsy, The Last Days Of. And it's about, they do a forensic autopsy of someone who's passed away that was famous or that was a star. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm doing shooting that tomorrow morning, as a matter of fact. That's so you know, cool. Like, so 
Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. But again, you have to learn all these aspects to help buoy your career. So did you just, did you just when you said you pitched to them, did you just like shoot them an email or, or what does that process look like? Um, no, you don't just look. What I, there's several different, um, obviously I'm not going to give away all the things I've learned here. Sure, sure. But, but there are services that, um, for instance, work with the media and they send out uh, inquiries every day, everything from newspapers to television shows to whatever, and they're anonymous. So they have an anonymous email that you reply to for something one of these people are looking for, whether it's for the New York Times, for what I'm doing for TV. And then you take your pitch, which has to be very well thought out and specific, and then you email that to them. And then you go from there. For after that, once they got my pitch and they knew that I was knowledgeable on what they're going to be doing, then I had an over an hour interview. They called me from London because it's done by the ITV network. So they called me and then we talked for over an hour. And then from there, and they recorded it and sent it to their producers. And then from there, I went to the next step. So it's, but yes, there's, there's different groups that will send you emails daily and you look down the list and then you decide what might fit you. Now I will tell people, don't pitch everything if you do this. It's really important that you find something that you're really a good fit for. It's just like me doing your show today. We talked beforehand. You made sure I was a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you start pitching everyone, you know, it's not going to work. They don't want you to be a horse of different colors every time. You have to be the expert on whatever you're doing. In my case, magic and hypnosis. This particular one is more towards the magic end. Um, but I spent decades as a magician, so I have a lot of knowledge base. So um, anyway. That you have to, again, I, I tell people, take these seminars. The one that I learned this from, all this information, cost $55 on Facebook, and it worked out fantastic. Huh. So, That's ROI. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that actually leads me really well to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is, is it a branding challenge to be both, you know, you're, you work in this medical context and you also work in this entertaining context? Do you feel that there's a balance to be had there? What's, what's that dichotomy look like for you? Well, I do have separate websites for each thing. Mm. Um, and although my Facebook page has everything included on it, uh, Chris, I just posted ye- yesterday a photo of me and Bill Shatner because it was Bill Shatner's 90th birthday. And so I'll have my entertainment thing on there, you know. Bill Shatner's an awesome guy, by the way. Um, but but I, I, had, I have my entertainment stuff. I think it enhances it. Um, and I will tell you, there's another prong that you don't even know about me. And that is that I ghost hunt. So that's a what? whole, yes, yes. So all of them kind of, I don't know, they have a synchronicity. They all kind of fit together. You know, the ghost hunting, the hypnosis and the magic, it's kind of in the same realm in a sense and yet totally different, but it kind of all blends together. It can't hurt that your last name is Mesmer. Well, that's a marketing choice, of course. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, um, and that that I designed when I went into hypnosis decades ago, uh, because you want people to remember you, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to remember. They're not going to remember, you know, someone named Joe Schmo. They're going to remember Mesmer. Most people call me Mesmer because they remember that name, and nobody else has that name. And so, uh, it's been really, really beneficial to me. It's like uh, John Wayne wasn't John Wayne. His name was Marion. Or David Copperfield is Seth Kotkin. So nobody's going to go see Seth Kotkin perform magic. They're going to see David Copperfield. Because remember Copperfield, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a marketing choice. It's a great one. But honestly, even my wife calls me Michael Mesmer. So, you know. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about ghost hunting. So what does that career look like? What, what, do, you, what do you do there? 
I do it as a hobby when I'm on tour because, you know, you get really bored. You know, a lot of entertainers, part of their downfall is they end up drinking and getting becoming an alcoholic or something else because you're on the road in hotels all the time. I was just watching a story about Billy Joel last night talking about he just couldn't stand being in hotels all the time, you know, going from the venue to the hotel, venue to hotel. And so when you do like 380 performances a year, like I do, you're in a lot of hotels. So it's, you ha it's good to have a positive hobby that you can enjoy doing. So I really always was interested in the supernatural and ghosts. And I can share one really cool story if we have time in a minute. But uh, when I'm in towns, there's always somewhere that's haunted, someone committed suicide, something interesting, uh, an old cemetery or graveyard. Uh, and so it's a fun thing to do. I don't have any abilities. I don't, I'm not a medium or something like that. But I use uh, scientific tools to go out and I do these ghost hunts. And I, the information I get is incredible. In fact, if you want to, you can look on my YouTube channel and you'll see several of my ghost hunts on there. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's a good way to keep healthy and happy because, you know, when I get off at night, I have, you know, I, I have all night, I, I work nights. So then what do you do the rest of the night? Well, at night's a perfect time to ghost hunt. So if you can get permission from someone to go to a location at, at you know, from midnight till four in the morning, well, then you have a whole night of fun ahead of you, you know? So it's, it's a great way to keep healthy mentally for me because then I have something to do instead of a negative thing to fill up that time. I love that. That's so cool. Um, I'd love to hear that story you were talking about just a second ago. Okay. Well, this was the first experience I particularly had with spirits. Uh, and it was before I was ghost hunting, before I even thought about it. Uh, I used to do a convention for fair industry because I work a lot of state and county fairs. I used to do a, a, a thing for fairs up at the Hilton in Las Vegas. Now, have you ever been to the Hilton in Las Vegas? Oh yeah. I grew up in Las Vegas. Okay. So you know the Star Trek experience, right? Yeah. Okay. And by the way, I saw Elvis in Vegas 14 times. I loved Elvis. But wow. anyway, yeah, it was cool. Um, and, but as a side, I was coming out of the convention that night and I always wanted the Star Trek experience. Uh, well, like I mentioned, I posted a picture of Bill Shatner and me the other day, but I wanted the Star Trek experience to pick up a souvenir for my son, Wesley, because he loves Star Trek. So does my daughter, Ilea. In fact, they're both named after Star Trek characters, Wesley Crusher and then Ilea from the first Star Trek movie. But in any case, I was going past the, I always stopped in there. I picked up a souvenir for my son. I came out the side door and, you know, the parking structure's out there. And so I was standing on the curb waiting to go across. And a person came up to me, a young lady, and said, oh, I see you went to the Star Trek experience because I was carrying a bag, you know, with the logo on it. I said, yeah, I go there every time. I love it. I'm a big Star Trek fan. She said, well, you know, I was in Enterprise. I said, oh, that's awesome. I wish my son could meet you. So car came by. It was really loud and fast. I jerked back, looked at the car. It was freezing out there, by the way. You know how a cold Vegas night can be in December. So car went by. I looked back. She's gone. I figured she just went back in the hotel because the rotating doors were right behind me. And it was cold out there. So I get in the car. I drive home for three and a half hours back to L.A. I get in the house. My son, I give him his present. He gives me the latest Star Trek magazine. Dad, the latest Star Trek magazine came. I'm reading through the magazine. My son's enjoying his gift. I get to the back page, there's an obituary. There's a photo of the person I just met three and a half hours ago, and she had died a month before. Whoa. Her name was Michelle Waymeyer. She died at age 35 of a heart, heart issue and uh, very tragic. But I had spoken to her just three and a half hours before that. That is spooky. Oh, my goodness. 
don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole specifically, no. uh, but no. that is that is pretty wild. Um, I would love to ask you about what you're doing with COVID Gnosis. Um, Great. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what what you're doing there? Yeah, for sure. You know, as I mentioned, I have a big background in entertainment. Uh, in fact, my oldest brother played drums for Chubby Checker and Little Richard. And my middle brother is a Tony Award nominee and a Theater World winner for Broadway. Uh, yeah. And so I've been in theater since I was very young and, and show business. So when COVID hit, literally overnight, all of my very, very close friends lost everything they had worked for for decades. Um, they, they lost their career, um, to at least they still lost to this moment. Um, and uh, so just overnight, over a year ago, everything was gone, income, career, um, what gave them purpose in life, which is more important than money or where you live. Um, all of that went away overnight. Um, and then as I, as it continued on for months, it, most of my friends that were in normal, what we call normal out, uh, normal kind of life uh, in a regular business, they started losing everything they had as well. So I saw there was an extreme need to help people uh, with the issues that are caused by COVID. Now we have the vaccine, Things are going to start getting better right now, physically, but psychologically, the damage that has happened, you know, we were talking about those fears, the criticism, unlove, sickness, poverty, death. COVID was like throwing uh, gasoline on the fire. And so all these underlying issues have now been amplified a hundred times over. So people even now being able to slowly, like in California, have been locked down to this moment. Many of us are still locked down from, there's no entertainment industry. Um, and so locked down so the thing is that to even get back in public to feel you can show your face again after all of this has happened but also the anxiety and all of that so i thought you know what i'm positioned in a very specific way with hypnotherapy where i can help people overcome these issues the three main issues from covid that are outlined from the uh, physical issues are anxiety and stress that's the first one the second one is sleep issues sleep disorders and the third one is confidence, lack of confidence, getting back in the world around people, combined with perhaps weight control. So in the COVID Gnosis, the first session is a 30-minute where I just chat with people, get to know them like you and I are doing. And then the next three are one-hour sessions where we do, the first one is with the stress and anxiety, the second one is with the sleep, and the third one is with the uh, weight and the, uh, the uh, confidence issues. After each session, I also give a download of a hypnosis self, self-hypnosis audio so that you can expand your abilities and practice. Because ultimately, after I do these sessions, it's up to the person to want to continue practicing the self-hypnosis and strengthening that ability and continue to be creating a healthy future for themselves. Interesting. It seems like the, the actual practice of what you're doing for, this, for your COVID-gnosis you know, campaign is similar in principle to what you would do for a typical hypnotherapy client. You're just treating a specific set of issues that are brought around through COVID. Right. Normally, as I mentioned, I don't really follow any roadmap. That's the difference between, um, you know, uh, psychology and psychiatry. They have certain roadmaps that they follow, which are wonderful because they tend to lead towards healthy mental health. But with us, we don't have a roadmap normally. We don't really decide we're going to specifically deal with an issue. Uh, we're just kind of letting it flow and letting the client, what it is, is clients heal themselves. I had a friend, he created a t-shirt. He said, Hypn hypnotherapy, because you have the right to change your own mind. And that's really what it comes mm. down to. 
So the client leads their own pathway to, to healing. But in this situation, because I know these are the main issues from COVID, I'm, I designed this program to specifically target those specific issues. And, but of course, if we're in the middle of one of these and we go a different direction, I obviously will because the goal would be if it's a deeper situation to go deeper. But these are topical things that I do just to help to massage the situation in a positive way. Michael, that's so interesting. This whole conversation has been enlightening for me. Thank you so much for taking the time to educate me and my listeners about, about this, this subject. Um, what, what are you promoting right now? Where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, great. Well, you know, they can, they can go to my COVID Gnosis website, which is, I'm sure you'll put it in the notes as well, Yep. but it's, it's www.covid.com n-o-s-i-s.weebly.com. And uh, yeah, and also if the first 10 of your listeners that will email me, I'm going to give a special email address here. I will send them a free download for a relaxation audio. Uh, and that is uh, hypnomesmer, H-Y-P-N-O-M-E-Z-M-E-R at yahoo.com. So the first 10 people that email me and they put in the subject line your name, I will give them a free self-hypnosis audio download for relaxation. Well, that's very generous of you. Thank you. I, uh, I, I'm excited. I may take you up on that too, if they don't. <laughs> Send me an email. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. I've learned so much. You're such an interesting guy. Uh, definitely one of the good ones and uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you for having me. I've had a great time with you. you Ask the best questions. You're really a good host. So I look forward to working with you someday in the future and Thank you for all your listeners listening in today. Thank you.